What's going on, everybody? This is Andy Morales, and welcome to Season 8, Episode 6 of Unraveled Influence. Um, hope everyone's having a great Thanksgiving. Um, obviously, Thanksgiving won't be around by the time this epi these episodes are released. <laughs> but anyway, my guest today, I met him at our Bayonne. Uh, actually, no. I met him on an impromptu live I did with Florence, and then I met him in person at the... Um, Unraveled open mic that we did recently, and now here he is, Darian Mendez. Brother, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, life has been treating me pretty well the past uh, the past couple of months, so I cannot complain. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Life, like I said, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. It's been an interesting month, but you know what? I, I woke up this morning. That's all that matters at this point. I woke up this morning. That is that is definitely what is important. That's it, you know, and uh, I'm excited for December as we do on a new show for the platform Unravel Influence called Unravel Conversations. Um, how do you feel about that? It's gonna be interesting, in my opinion. Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm I'm very very hyped. You know, I went out, I bought a journal, started journaling about you know the different topics that we're gonna be going over as much as possible to prep myself. You know, I want to make sure that I'm able to be as cohesive and understood as possible, you know, when we're talking about these things, you know, because I think these conversations are really, really important. And I'm really happy that I can be a part of a really awesome crew of people to be able to, uh, you know, bring this to light, you know, on a platform. And it's just it's something I'm very excited about. No, me too, me too, definitely. I so agree with you on that. And it's interesting too, because when I did the impromptu live and Florence just popped in and you popped in and then other people started popping in, it was just like, yeah, this is exactly what Unravel Influence was missing. I said, this is exactly what it is. Because we do the interviews and that's great, but what else can we do, right? We've done the open mics, the virtual and people come in, but what else can we do that's different? And I think this was perfect. So the fact that me and Florence were talking about it and I was talking about it with Dalton, I said, what do you think about Darian? And, he, and they were all like, yo, dude, hit him up, see what he's interested. And now here we are talking about it and having this thing in December. So I'm excited. I'm excited for sure. So, yeah, man. Um... So with that being said, I'm going to start with this as well. Um, so as far as poetry, art, and all that stuff, how did that all start for you? Uh, well, I can distinctly remember uh, writing my very first poem when I was, I want to say it was eighth grade. I, I'm going to go with that. I was 13 years old. I was in middle school, and we had got introduced into like a, a poetry event that was going on. I forget what kind of event that it was, but it was a contest. And they wanted us to uh, to write a poem, and it was to like win some kind of thing for a thirteen year old. And I was like, "Cool, yeah, I'll give that a shot." And you know, I think that there was something that just like clicked in it for me that helped me realize that like, "Wow, this is uh, this is enjoyable to do." It was a way for me to be able to write my emotions and the way that I feel about certain things out on paper, and it kind of just like branched off from there. Within, you know, the first couple of weeks of me writing my first poem, I was already in front of a group of people, mostly my peers, um, you know, reciting poetry uh, at an, uh, kind of like a – I guess you could just call it a poetry reading. It wasn't really an open mic at my school, and, you know, that started just like a really long couple of years of just a lot of writing, a lot of frustration and a lot of learning the ropes of how to, you know, go about it, you know, because I've never had any kind of formal training on, I'm not a very good writer, you know, like I, I don't, I'm not very good with 
punctuation and grammar and words and all that kind of stuff. But I think the ability to be able to, you know, express myself in this way has always been really beneficial towards like my mental health and um, just being able to help people understand what kind of a person I am. Mm, okay. Okay. And, um, how, and so with that being said, um, tell me about this. Um, you said it was a contest, right? If, I, if I'm not mistaken, you said it was a contest. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like something small for the local, like every year they have like that scholastic book fair type thing. Wow. And I want to say that it was like a contest, like wrapped around that. And like, if you want it, you got like some kind of like little reward towards that. It's so, something small like that. Ah, okay, okay. And how 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 did um did you win? If you did, I, how did it make you feel to write the piece and all this other stuff? Uh, no, I definitely did not win. Um, because unfortunately, at that point in time, when I first started writing, um, I wrote very very cringe, edge lord <laughs> type stuff. It was definitely exactly what you would expect from a very very goth middle school child. Um, and, and I think when I, uh, recited it in front of people, uh, it definitely prompted my school to be like, we should probably call this kid's parents and, uh, <laughs> tell them that we're worried about him. And, oh, wow. uh, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> wow. That, you know, it's like the adults always think like the worst of kids for some reason. I'm like, dude, I was just, it was just written words. What the hell are you talking about? Oh my God. Wow. I mean, but damn, yeah, but but nothing nothing crazy happened after that, right? It was just like okay, and that was it. Like, um, I I I did start going to therapy pretty regularly from that point on for, uh, quite a few years after that. <laughs> oh my god. So that that was the only crazy thing, which I guess it kind of was for the better because when I was writing at that point in time, I was writing about exactly how I felt because at that time when I was thirteen. It was only a few years after my parents had gone through a really, really nasty divorce. I first started experiencing actual depression and anxiety. You know, I, I wasn't um, applying myself in school in any way whatsoever. I was very alone in the world. Mm. And when I got introduced into this world of poetry, into this world of writing, you know, it was a chance for me to be able to like put these feelings that I had on the paper. And I had these very extreme feelings. They were very out there, probably, you know, not something people would expect from, you know, a 13 year old kid, but mm. th that's, that's what I was going through. You know, wow. I was dealing with a lot of uh, different emotions from paranoia and fear of abandonment and even like suicidal thoughts to a degree as well wow. and yeah. you know that that was something that you know i think it was for the better for me to be recognized in a way that i was because i wasn't judged for it when my mom found out about it i mean of course she was upset and she was worried about me but my mom has always taken a very very good very solid approach to these kinds of situations she was never the kind of person that was like, well, you're 13. You shouldn't be feeling this way. Get over it. It was kind of just like, okay, well, let's find out what's causing these emotions. Let's get you somebody to talk to, and let's figure out what we can do about it. What can I do to be a supportive parent about it, and what do you need from me? And I, I think if it wasn't for that poetry that came into my life at that time, 
that might have not been discovered and you know something worse could have came of it in the future wow i'm just wow you know because the thing is um i'm puerto rican right and um my parents are like from the 1950s so the fact that your mom like said, "Hey, let's see what's going on. Let's figure this out, and let's let's see what we can do to better the situation." That's impressive because it was not like that for me. Actually, it was rather, "Oh, my son needs help. Okay, take just throw him in the whole psychiatric therapy thing." So, with me, unfortunately, I, mean, I had a bad experience with that, and that's why even though I'm debating whether or not even in this day of my life I should try therapy again, but now I have control of it rather than. It was controlling me, I guess, if that makes sense, because I was forced to take medications and all this other stuff. And I mean, if you if you ask me about my childhood, I kind of it's very blurry for me because of those things. And it's more like, OK, so, you know, I, I've been studying myself a lot. And one thing I've noticed that you said something very interesting, um, very important. It was mental health. Um, I feel like in this year alone, my mental health has really put me into challenges I never really understood and then me doing retail as an operations manager I noticed with me it was like oh wait hold up like I didn't know I could think this way before or I, I what was this all about and I think me having a child on top of that learning about myself definitely played a big role so I wanted to ask you um I, if you could walk me more through that with your mom and just the whole like like what what how did that make you feel i guess is my question when your mom decided hey let's go figure it out kind of thing i would say that i didn't really understand it at that time i wasn't really aware that these were abnormal emotions to be experiencing in the extreme way that i was um to the point to where i was having like reoccurring nightmares every night about like my parents, specifically my mom, like putting me up for adoption because she couldn't deal with me or anything like that. Like I wasn't aware that these were things that people aren't supposed to experience. So mm. it was mostly just confusion and trying to be able to understand, you know, why it is that I feel such strong feelings the way that I do um, and how to navigate life through those certain things. And how to be able to cope with them in a more positive and uh, ethical manner. Um, so it, it was a really long road. I'm still traveling down that road. I'm 28. You know, that, that was 15 years ago. I'm still trying to learn how to navigate those emotions because, you know, I didn't get uh, officially diagnosed from a psychiatrist until I was like 18 you know, and that's when I started taking meds and stuff, and it's been an on and off battle. Uh, lots of grippy sock hotel visits and shit like that, and just mm. like a lot mm. of different stuff. So um, it's been a really, really long battle, um, and it's resulted in some really positive things, as well as a lot of different negative things. Because you know, uh, when I never felt like I was getting relief from the meds that I started getting prescribed, you know, I would turn my attention to self-medicating through different various mm. methods whether it be using like alcohol or drugs or anything of that such so i mean I i'm still i'm still trying to understand it and it's not an easy thing to learn to understand or just to come to terms with mm. i would say okay. for a long period of my time you know dealing with these emotions 
I was in denial about it. I'm still kind of in denial about it. Like, why, why me? Why am I the one that has to deal with this the way that I do? On top of that, I also have a bunch of physical ailments and just so much crap that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And it's just like, it's like, it's just why, why me in particular? Mm. No, no, it, it's, you know what it is? I'm listening to everything you're saying. And I feel like for me personally, and I've said this in all the episodes, like every time I hear a guest on here and they tell me their story. And I think that's why I love about what we're doing now too, is I'm always learning all the time. I'm always learning about something new or I even learn something about myself just even hearing that because that's how I felt actually. Um, it's interesting because um, even though, yeah, I've been saved in the things of God since 2013, but there are still things I still struggle with to this day. You know, It's the whole me trying to understand why am I going through this? What is going on? Like when I... You know, like when, even when I was in the world, you know, uh, before 2013 or even things leading to that, like what you said about alcoholism and stuff like that, that was kind of me too because once I broke off from the medication, it was kind of, okay, like what do I do now, right? Because I did get to a point in my life where I was, I, I don't want to say, I guess because I kind of broke whatever walls my dad put on me and it's not on purpose it was just more like i didn't want to live in this statistic environment that i was living in if that makes sense and now it's like i look back now like had i not done that i don't know what my life is also you know would be also so it's interesting um it, it kind of triggers some things you said some things you said did trigger me a little bit too because i was like oh wow like i know that feeling they talk about that um so in your opinion what is it about that that you know like the, the whole trying to understand what did that look like for you like how does that look like for you visually mentally like whatever that is right for you like what is it about it that makes you want to understand i think what I more so want to understand is um, I want to more so understand this feeling of loneliness more than anything. Mm. And not loneliness in the sense of like I want to be in a relationship. Loneliness in the sense of like I want to know that I'm not alone in this fight and in this battle. Because when I've been dealing with this the way that I have for so many years um, – the biggest thing that I found that has helped me over and over and over again is having a large group of people that have gone through this with me and having that sense of community to be able to work on it together as a group to be able to build each other up because that's been the best medicine for me. The medications that I've been prescribed over the years have not been the best thing for me. And I think having this sense of security that I get from the people around me, I think that helps me learn and understand more about why my brain functions the way that it does what are my triggers what are the traumas from my past that cause these extreme emotions and cause the anxiety and cause the panic attacks and cause me to you know sometimes just have no desire to do anything and mm. having those people around helps me build a perspective on myself to be able to understand hey this is why or this could be why you're having this issue at this point in time why don't you try looking at it from this side of the road instead of from that side? And I think that's 
that's what I've really been trying to get at, especially within the past few years now. Mm. You know, for a long time, it was mostly just me trying to hide from it, pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm. Now, not so much. Wow. Okay. Okay. And it's interesting to you say that because what you're saying, the whole hiding from the fact that that thing can exist. You know what is too with me? I, I just always felt that it, it's that shamefulness that we don't understand. Like we don't know why we feel ashamed, but we know we feel it, if that makes sense, right? And yeah. then there's this thing like it's embarrassing because I grew up in an environment. See, like like I'm happy that you were able to be surrounded by people or you know looking for that sense of community. Um, see, like I, with me, unfortunately, I didn't have that kind of thing. Even though poetry and music really got me through my life, even to adulthood, but it, it, it's that shit. Is that that embarrassment that I felt like? Oh man, I can't admit that I have issues or I, I think, and I think denial is definitely one of them. But I think for me, the reason why that is, is because I'm going to, I'm trying to think how to explain it. So pretty much it's because I was surrounded by people that were macho or like, Oh yeah, we doing this. We fucking all these bitches and all this other shit. And me being sheltered for most of my life and then getting into the real world now. it's like, Okay, this is not what I'm used to environment-wise, but I had to kind of play along and make up things about myself just so I could fit in. But isn't it crazy? Uh, I don't know if you've dealt with this, but isn't it crazy even when you feel like you fit in, you still feel a little bit out of place? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that because I felt like I uh, I definitely wore a false face for... Uh, for quite a long time because you know that's that was my biggest desire for a lot of my life was just wanting to fit in i always felt so alone that i would do anything to be able to be accepted by the people that i desired to want to be like or thought i wanted to be like you know that was just that was a very common thing for me mm, okay okay no no i'm i i love this like i said um because it's kind of it's kind of bringing me things to perspective from my life as well. So thank you for sharing that with me. Um, wow. So in the long run, because I know you said a couple of years you've been dealing with that. Um, do you think your thought process is different now than it was before? Do you think it's similar? Do you think it's more in a different spectrum of things? Like, how does that look like for you? I would say that it's a lot more patient mm. it's a lot more understanding um i don't beat myself up over anything anymore i kind of just like throw my hands up and um it's called radical acceptance okay. i just radically accept the things for the way that they are and understand that i can't change them overnight and that tiny little steps are the only thing that i can do to be able to work towards bettering myself and helping myself understand why I feel the way that I do. And that's all. And that's what I do at this point. I don't overexert myself mentally or physically at this point in time dealing with these extreme emotions because the only thing that that ever brought me was heartache and pain. And I don't – I'm 28 years old. I'm too damn old to be dealing with that. Wow. You know it's crazy. You're you're because I'm 38, so we're, you're 10 years apart, and it's like these are things I think that my 28 year old self 
wish would have learned if that makes sense um it took yeah. me years it took me years for me to really understand that even when i gave my life to christ it took me years and even to this day it's like okay i'm just now learning okay when you over exhilarate yourself when you overdo things for yourself because you want to be you know and we do it for the right reasons not like we're doing it for the wrong reasons you realize you know what this is fucking exhausting this is so exhausting i'm fucking tired and i didn't even do anything yet You know, so it's like, wait a second, like, why am I stressing myself out? And again, I haven't even done any physical work yet, and I'm already stressed out. I'm already overthinking things, and it's just like, wait a second, okay, pause. And it's true, the whole being pause aspect of it, it I mean, you know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm so much respect for you for being patient with yourself, because I'm not always patient with myself. I'm always... Putting myself down because I'm like, come on, dude, you're 38, you should be done with this already. And opposed to like just being patient, be like, listen, it doesn't matter how old you are, you gotta just be patient with yourself. Because what happens is when you put too much pressure on yourself, um, I think emotionally, mentally, and probably spiritually, you you kill yourself faster that way. I think, and it's like, it, it, it's like it's not good, you know. I know for me, I have a son that depends on me. I have a wife that looks up to me and really wants to be there for me. But if I just continually being impatient with myself that I guess it gets to that point like wait a minute I'm gonna end up killing myself without even having to really you know do much of it you know because sometimes we kill ourselves with kindness too sometimes you know and it's just like yeah it's not that's not cool you know but I love the fact that you are doing that now you're doing it because you come to that realization so i guess my question is like what advice can you give to someone that's probably doing that now like like what strategies do you think and you're in your honest be like what has helped you like all that stuff like, how did that look like for you uh cry for one don't hold back the tears um and be emotionally available especially to the people that love and care about you you don't feel comfortable being that way around your friends or around your family, find a friend that you can be emotionally available around somebody who you can confide in and just talk to somebody, reach out. If it's not a counselor or a therapist, find somebody that you trust and that you love and just reach out to them, help them to understand a little bit, because once you get that feeling out into the air, you'll find that it's a lot easier to be able to work on it in a more healthy way than dealing with it in an unhealthy way, such as, you know, self-medication through drugs or self-destructive mm. behaviors, like setting yourself up to, you know, lose a job or friendships or family or burning bridges and, you know, anything like that. Because when you're bottling up all these emotions and all these thoughts, you know, it, it's going to cause you to act out in ways that aren't really becoming of you and who you truly are as a person. Find somebody, talk to them. Get them to try to understand. And that is the best thing that you can do. That is the most important thing that you can do. Try to keep yourself healthy as well. It's hard to get up and be active and do things when you're so damn depressed, when you're so gone and out there and just, you know, you feel like you're on your back 32 feet into the ground with nowhere to go or nothing to do. You can't climb out, you know. Sometimes little tiny baby steps going on a short walk, you know, getting yourself outside, doing small things can be hugely beneficial mm. for your mental health, even though it's very, very difficult to do for a lot of people. And trust me, I know I'm there right now. Mm. I'm at the heaviest I've ever been in my entire life, 
and I'm someone who used to really take care of myself. I was, you know, an avid gym goer. I worked out every day. I was super healthy. And, you know, it, it's hard to lose sight of those things. But, I mean, there's so much that you can do to take care of yourself physically, spiritually, mentally, that'll just, like, make you feel so much better. And I think it really, really starts out with reaching out, talk yeah. to somebody. That's the best thing you can do. Wow. Amen to that. Amen to that. And that that's that's and that's a beautiful thing, man. And the fact is, like you said, even though you feel like you feel like the heaviest that you have ever been, but the fact that you're still fighting, you're not just staying there. Like you're doing something about it and it's hard. That struggle is real, man. And so much respect for you for that. I guess I wanted to ask if you have a piece you wanted to read to us to give the audience an idea of your style of writing and we could talk about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um let me see, I have a couple here. Let me see which one. Um, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with one of my newer pieces that I wrote. Sounds good. So I wrote this I wrote this piece for my feature that I had at six one oh poetry in Emmaus two two weeks ago now. I want to say that was two weeks ago now. Um and I titled this one Fight, but it's not super long, but it's a little bit of a longer piece. Um, and, well, this is how it goes. Uh, if I believed everything I saw on TV, I'd believe I could be truly free. Free from this spineless society being ruled by 100-year-old wretches, fighting for a place to compete in the never-ending race of late-stage capitalism, holding my mental anguish hostage. 12-hour nights, half the year, and I can't even breathe without a puff of my own fear, forever filling my sad sack shit for a brain. Caress my back and calm me, but I'm stuck swallowing this drink, all just to forget this fight I can't shed light onto. Another night I bleed, not physically, but spiritually, for I fall for thee deeper each week. Am I slowly conforming, or am I rebelling further? A fight that will never end as long as differences divide the masses with promises of false hope. Fight with me and we will see a future of knowledge and true freedom. Wow. And I wrote that um, while I was doing some um, – just like some reading and general understanding about, you know, different uh, political things that are going on around the world. Mm. Okay. Uh, because, you know, I mean, a lot of people aren't super politically involved, and I completely understand why. And I know why people don't want anything to do with politics. And I understand a lot of people don't understand it. But unfortunately, as much as politics suck, it is a very important part of our life. Mm -hmm. It is something that rules everything about us, the laws that are governed, you know, and everything. Um, and as much as it's unenjoyable for a lot of people, um, it's something that I found solace in, in a weird way, as much as it frustrates me. Um, it's something that I enjoy learning and reading about. And, you know, I wrote this more so as a way to be able to help not only myself but other people understand where i feel like i stand in the world as a single individual which to me isn't really much i'm just a small speck in the overall world of how things are and how they're ran 
and you know the frustrations that i feel about living in the society that i live in you know the division that is caused between you know the different political parties and constant fighting between everybody you know um i have these really really strong beliefs that don't really align with the way that the country is being ran and you know now i'm working like this hardcore blue collar factory worker job and you know it's like am i throwing my beliefs to the side you know am i conforming to the world around me or am i doing this in, in a way to be able to learn more about my quote-unquote enemy to be able to rebel further and harder and make people understand my side of things and where i'm coming from and why i feel the way that i do it's just you know it's it's a never-ending battle that i think needs to be had and will always be had and mm. i don't mind putting myself on the front lines for that in any way wow okay hold on i gotta process all this because that is wow i never saw it from that perspective because you see one i i like to um wow okay i gotta process this because this is wow um wow wow i okay so i need you to talk to me more about all that because that is very intriguing that's very interesting that you are like because you feel like you work at this blue collar job and you feel like you might be just confirming to their ways or are you really thinking about okay maybe i want to see a different perspective so i can understand so i can fight harder can you walk me through that because that is very interesting yeah yeah for sure so i mean let me preface it by saying you know like i mean obviously i live in the united states i live in pennsylvania you know um the united states is a capitalist country you know, that, that is the way that our economic system is ran and that's how everything works here. And I have completely different views on how I think economically a country should be ran. Um, so I think that when it comes to certain things, such as the way people are worked, how they're worked, how they're underappreciated and undervalued in these positions and in these jobs, I think that um i enjoy stepping into those fields to be able to get a feeling and understand for how the underappreciated working class individual deals with certain things every day i love talking to my coworkers, and understanding how they think certain things should be done and how certain things make them feel and i think that a lot of those times those situations just they truly um strengthen my arguments for how i think things should be in this world around me and then i can use other people's personal anecdotal experiences as a way to be able to help fight for certain things um mostly at the local politics level because i think that's where the most important things are being done at we need mm -hmm. to focus on local politics a lot more than we do the big things that are going on around us we live in a world right now where people are struggling look at the yeah. price of cars the price mm -hmm. of housing the price of food and gas and everything around us it's ridiculous and the price of cars is even going up even more now and you know the just the the state that we're in is insane and people working day in and day out at these miserable you know horrible jobs that they don't even want to do but they have to do it because mm. you need to eat you need somewhere to live you know you need to have some kind of you know income coming in so that way you can do the things that you enjoy doing so that way you don't want to freaking you know, run in the traffic or something like that, you know, like it's, you know, it's a constant battle. And I, I, 
am constantly trying to understand people's perspectives on things to help bolden my arguments and my understanding of the world around me. And it's just it's it's a never ending battle. We have such division, you know, once, you know, certain politicians start doing, well, this side wants this and they want this and they're extremists for this reason and that reason. And it's from both sides. We got people from my side of the political spectrum and people from the opposite side of the political spectrum calling each other fascists and communists and Nazis and this and that. And it's just it's this constant fighting and constant bickering that's not getting us anywhere when what we should be able to do is we should be able to sit down with one another and talk to each other and understand that the main thing that we all want, no matter who we are, no matter what world we grew up in, that the everything that we all want is health, prosperity, and longevity in life and happiness. Those are the things that we all want and that we all crave, no matter if you're the most hardcore evangelical Christian or if you're the most devout hardcore socialist. It doesn't matter where you come from. That's what we all want. We all just have these different ways and these different ideas of how we should achieve those um, those things. And, you know, because we live in the society that we do in the United States, you know, the one side wants this and the one side wants that. So the best way that they try to get people to be on their side or to keep people on their side is to demonize the other side. Mm. And I don't think that gets us anywhere except more fighting, more bickering, more bullshit that just doesn't need to exist, doesn't mm. need to be there. And I, I just – I like to get on the inside. I like to get people to understand that, hey, I understand how you feel, and I want the same things that you want. I just look at it in a different light, and I look at it in a different perspective. Wow. Wow. That – wow. I definitely agree with you on that one because, like I said, like, let's, okay, so I'm going to put God aside for a second just to prove this point that, you know, you don't have to be a believer in God to, to want those things, right? Because at the end of the day, no matter what your beliefs are, we all want to be successful some way or another. We want to live a peaceful life. I understand that peace is not always going to be in the absence of conflict. Like, I get that. And I do understand that sometimes having peace of mind is knowing that whatever situation I'm going through won't last forever. But at the end of the day, the main objective I think I really like to believe we all want is to have peace of mind. It's it's to know that hey, we want to live, we want to we want to enjoy what life has to offer, right? Because even though there's all this bad, there's all this good stuff in life that we want to enjoy too. And I'm not talking about. Uh, in my case, I don't I don't care if I have a Mercedes Benz or whatever the fuck it is. I just care about I like to go outside, walk around Central Park. I want to go bike ride. I want to enjoy that without having to worry if I'm going to get shot because there's a crossfire somewhere. Like, you get what I'm saying? I don't want to worry about that kind yeah. of shit. And I think we could all agree to disagree, but I think we could all agree that, hey, we just want to live our life. We don't want to live in fear in, in, in ways that, that might accidentally kill us like let's just call it what it is right because yeah. it's true we are living on bad times right now we don't know what's gonna happen next year we don't know and i get it tomorrow's not fucking promised i get all that but for the moment that i have now i want to be alive enough to see my son grow up be a teenager 
You know, like, that's all I care about at this point, you know? Like, I don't care if I have equity or fucking good credit. I'm sorry. I just don't give a fuck about that kind of shit. But I understand why it's needed. So we're going to do whatever it takes to work on that. But in the meantime, my main priority is my family, my wife, and make sure they're good. That's it. Like, you get what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I get you. And I love that there's different perspectives of that. And I think that's where you come in where you see different sides of many situations around you but they all align to one thing we just want to live happy lives we want to live joyfully we want to just we just want to enjoy like we don't we don't want hostility when it doesn't need to be so that that is definitely man uh, again um so much respect for you for that because it's so true man i think it is it, one thing in in particular i think is very important is the fact that Let's just stop, drop the weapons, let's just really have a conversation. Yes, let's agree to disagree, but let's agree that at the end of the day, we just want a solution. That's it. Whatever the fuck that looks like. If we could come to a common ground, let's come to the common ground. I might not like the common ground so much, but if this is what it works, let, let's let make it fucking work. And that's what it is. But... It's true. We are living in a time where nobody even wants to do that anymore. Nobody wants to have a conversation anymore. Everything's all confrontational, and it's sad, you know. I don't. I don't think people want to have those hard conversations because those hard conversations often, in times, end in really bad arguments yeah. and major disagreements. And I think mm -hmm. people are afraid of that kind of confrontation. And I don't think that that's healthy. You know, yeah. me and you know, I'm at my mom's now, and you know, we're in Massachusetts. You know, my mom and my stepdad just moved here literally like two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, probably just under two weeks ago. And I'm here with my grandparents as well. They're who I came up with. And, you know, me and my grandfather, we don't see eye to eye with political ideology at all. We are completely opposite from one another on it. But the one thing that he and I are able to do is we're able to bicker and argue and hate each other for about a good hour long conversation about how much we hate each other's side and how much we think this should be this way and that should be that way and you're wrong and you're wrong and this and that. But at the end of the conversation, we're able to give each other a handshake, hug each other, tell each other we love you, and just understand at the end of that conversation that we do want the same thing we just don't see eye to eye with how those things should be achieved. And mm. I think more people should be able to understand that you can have those conversations with the people you, you disagree with. You don't have to demonize them and you don't have to throw them under the bus in so many different scenarios to try to ruin their life or make them seem yeah. like somebody worse yeah. than they're not. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not a Trump supporter. I didn't vote for Trump at all. But I'm also not the kind of, you know, leftist individual who is going to say every trump supporter is a nazi that's stupid you know yeah. like and people that do that in my opinion i think they're doing the exact same thing that people from that from like that right side of the political spectrum are doing to people on my side of the political spectrum mm -hmm. and i think all that's doing is causing more issues and more problems that don't need to be had they don't yeah. need to be there what we need to do is we need to have concessions we need to sit down and understand this is what needs to be done in the country this is the issue we have a major mental health crisis in the world right now, yes. in the world, not just the country, but in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's things that we can do to be able to fix those issues. But instead, people are a little bit more worried about what people are going in what bathroom right now. And I think that is the most stupid thing to worry about right yeah. now. What we need to worry about is we need to worry about 
the fact that people are going undiagnosed with severe mental health issues. People are going without food. People are getting poor education in the country. Uh, and these are the things that are really important, but nobody's proposing actual you know, policy mm. changes to be able to work on these types of situations. Instead, for the past, what, seven years, seven, wait, what, four, four, seven, yeah, seven years, it's just been culture war nonsense that isn't as important as trying to get the country back to a good standing economically so mm -hmm. that way we can live prosperously. And that's what drives me up the wall. Yeah. Woo. Wow. <laughs> wow. Nah, because it's so true. Um, it's true because, you know, it's funny too, because I never thought I would think this way until I had my own child. And it's so true what you said, because eventually there are going to be some questions my son's going to ask. I'm not going to know the fucking answer to, or I'm not going to know how to explain it to him because... I grew up with a see because the thing is when I was growing up my even though my parents didn't talk to us about life but they were very direct with us I guess if that makes sense like culture back then was so different because if they yes. had something to say we just they just said it and that's it because when I was becoming a teenager going into adulthood especially in my early twenties I just said shit and didn't give a fuck if anybody got upset like I just didn't give a fuck even to this day I still don't give a fuck but <laughs> I, I'm with you I'm the same way. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I still say what the fuck I got to say. But it's so crazy how in today's society, even though I don't give a fuck, I have to learn to somewhat give a fuck in a way that I'm not offending somebody. I'm like, damn, but like, even if I offend you, I feel like that's a you problem, not a me problem. But it's like, damn, God forbid. It's like, you can't even be fucking PC anymore. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Like, like you said, yeah. we're worried about what bathroom exist and why like if you go to new york now um because my mom lives in new york so if you go to penn station there's no such thing as a, a men's restroom anymore now it's just fucking a uh, 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 genderless bathroom and a woman's bathroom yeah when but, i when i was growing up it was just called a family restroom yeah they, and they, yeah like uh, yeah like, like the, if you're in the mall there was that other restroom yeah there was the the middle room there was that middle restroom that's usually you would take the baby in to change the diaper or yeah. whatever the case was yeah but the fact that there's a there's a there's a raging war of violence about that rather than what's more important right there's there's the stuff with Hamas there's the stuff with just the, the economic crisis that we're dealing with right now people can't get fucking jobs mental health yeah you're right mental health is fucking sh crazy like i do i i try my best to live the best i can but yeah but mental health at work too for me personally it is stressful like i the minute i put my shoes on to go to work i'm already fucking angry my wife's looking at me like babe you got to get another job i'm like yeah i know it's hard because I'm not going to leave a job for, for less either. I mean, I could, I could probably yeah. handle one or $2 less, but I can't go anything less than that, right? And it's just like, yeah, it's it's hard because there's there are good jobs out there, but they just have shit pay. That's what's come down yeah. to. They want you to do all this shit for shitty-ass pay, and I'm like, dude, that's not how the fuck. You, you can't live off that. I'm surprised in Jersey, yeah. the cost of living, you have to be making at least 15 an hour at, mo at least, but even that's not even enough. I know people at work that... They work with me, but they don't have a place to live. They sleep on the fucking train. Like that's just what that's just the reality yep. of it. Um, maybe if yep. things were provided a lot better, maybe we wouldn't have the homeless rate the way the fuck it is. 
everything I see in California, I'm hearing about that. It's happening in New York now. Like, if you go to the BQE, there's fucking tents underneath the B- Brooklyn Queens Expressway. That because there's like a parking lot that um yeah. they could park your cars. I don't see parked cars there now. I see fucking homeless people in tents underneath that shit, and cops are just there, like, okay, like it's whatever. No, it's not whatever. Like, this is why this, is a crisis. this shit is happening, and it seems like, like, let's say, okay. Even if the country did give a fuck about that, they're coming off as if they're not giving a fuck. That's how it comes off as. So how am I supposed to think? I'm going to think you don't give a fuck. Yeah. And it's crazy, but you want to fight about whose gender is what. I get it's what it is, but we should be worried about the economy. Like, How can we make this shit better? Like, That's my whole thing. Because the authority figures, when my son's generation gets older, they're gonna be the this generation today, and and this generation, I'm sorry, it's not, they're not where they need to be. I'm sorry, like that's the truth. Yeah. And I'm like, dad, they're gonna be the authority figures. They used to be the kids that take care of me. Like, this is fucking crazy. To me. Because there's no, I think they've been lost a sense of direction. That's what I think it is. And I, I bl- like, I don't want to bash anyone, but I kind of blame this country for that because they're allowing shit to happen when it shouldn't. Like you said, we're worried about things we shouldn't worry about. So I definitely, I don't know. I, that's just how I see it. Honestly, yeah, like, I don't know too much about politics, but I just know enough to know that it's like, damn, this is not where we have to be. We have to be somewhere else. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, see that I, 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 damn, I'm so intrigued right now because of what you were saying about the whole perspective of things. Um, okay, so, uh, do you, do you mind reading like another piece? Yeah, of course. So, um, so I was in rehab in January. I went into rehab January 17th, I think it was. Um, and I wrote this piece while I was in rehab. This was my first piece that I wrote after like a 10-year hiatus of not writing anything at all. Um, this piece is called Hope. I've read this in front of people pretty often now since I've been out of rehab. Um, so a few people have definitely heard it. Uh, but it's definitely one of my more favorited pieces that I've uh, written myself. Uh, and yeah, so this one goes, Situations arise and planning fails. Will my own happiness ever avail? Deep resentment fills the void in my stomach as I finally come to radically accept the truth of the world around me. A smile appears on my face as I come to terms with the inevitability of friendships coming to a halting stop. I strive for bettering myself in a never-ending battle with my own shortcomings. I slowly slide into the unknown as I grab for progression and desperation for a new future that's no longer filtered through the lens of alcohol. A new face emerges gifted with knowledge and a new hope for a brighter future. Grateful I stand, and as I stand triumphant with my hands held high, happiness emerges with a newfound love for life. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and I remember I remember you reading that piece at the open mic that we did recently too, and um, yeah, and it's like you said, like when you have that sense of hope, now it's like, okay, it changes perspective in a way that's never seen before. Um, so the rehab, right? Like, you, cause you say you had a hiatus of, of not writing poetry and stuff like that. What was it like to pick up that pen again and to start writing again? Like, what, 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 what did that transition look like for you? Uh, it was like I opened up a door 
that was that had like a big bright light shining on it mm. that was like constantly po- i was constantly being pointed towards it over the years and it was like you need to do this you need to do this you need to do this and i just never did because i was too distracted with life and my addiction and you know my own shortcomings and my failures and i was too surrounded by it that i never you know had the motivation to pick up the pen again and when i did and i started writing it just it flew out of me it just it Mm. fell out it was just like it was natural it was like it was always meant to be and you know it it was just it was such a beautiful feeling i just i felt you know i felt home Mm. you know that's that's the best way i can describe it It just it felt good then afterwards it felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders it just it felt wonderful you know it was just like wow why did I ever stop doing this? This is, it brings me so much comfort. It's so cathartic. It's just, it's, it's, it's a necessity in my life now. Mm. And even though, you know, compared to a lot of the other poets in the community, and there's a lot of them, I definitely don't write as much as they do. Mostly because I definitely have like a perfectionist style of writing and i'm very hard on myself and i have a very specific style of poetry that is definitely much different from everybody else in the scene i like to call my style of poetry more of like a uh, um a poetic monologue okay. more so than anything because i don't think that i write in a specific you know defined style of poetry since there's so many different types um i think that i have just like a very unique way of writing um and i am very hard on myself to be able to maintain that uh that form of writing myself um also i'm not like i don't got no freaking degree over here in freaking grammar and you know writing (laughs) and stuff like that all right i I ain't no freaking i ain't no (laughs) professional poet over here i like to write but don't get me wrong it's hard to get those words out sometimes Mm -hmm. sometimes i write Sometimes I write certain things down and I read this sentence like two or three times and I'm like, what the, what the hell did that say? What? That makes no sense. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. so it takes me a while. And like, I, I, I only read my stuff at poetry nights. I don't publish anything. I don't have any desire to be published. I don't, you know, I don't post my work on my social media or anything like that. You know, I have no desire to do that. You know, I just like I, – I enjoy going to the poetry nights. I enjoy reciting the stuff that I have when I do have it, and I enjoy being a part of the community. That's wow. that's just something I really, really enjoy doing. You know, if somebody came to me and they were like, hey, I really like this piece. I'm a part of a magazine or this or that. Can we publish your piece into it? I'd be like, you know what? Sure, whatever. Let's go for it. You know, but that's not something that I desire. It's not something that you know I want to necessarily – that I'm looking for. You know, the main thing that I'm looking for is going to those places in person and hoping, even if it's just one person hears that piece and they come up to me and they say, that inspired me or that really changed my perspective on something. That is the interactions I'm looking for. That's what I want out of the poetry scene and that's what I want out of what I write. And that's my goal and that's what I hope to get out of it. And you know what? If, like I said, if only I, if I only get like one person out of that, I think I'm successful in it, and that's my view of success, and mm, that's all I care. Amen. Amen. That's true. I think success comes in different shapes and forms, and I definitely agree with you on that one. 
Um, this is why I do what I do because I want to be able to give back what was never given to me. I've never had a chance to really tell my story. No, I never really had anyone to talk to, or just to be a, pretty much to be a voice of the voiceless. If that makes sense, and if I feel like the podcasting is a perfect way to do it, why not? Right? And um, yeah. that's true. What you said like I mean, yeah, like I have like one piece that's published in a compilation book, but is it something like I have to have? done no i mean it's cool like that's why like you don't really see me featured a lot i don't really care i mean i mean i've been asked to be featured and stuff like that but i, I just don't care about it like it's it is what it is i just care more about let's have these particular kind of conversations right and um it's so true it's so true and i wanted to ask you about the poetry community because uh for me I, I okay so i notice your world of poetry community your niche is different from what the niche that i've been around in right because when i first got into the, any kind of poetry community it was on instagram and i saw other poets on instagram posting their work and some of them they started doing these lives so i didn't know this world even existed right and I noticed with your side of stuff, you, Florence Dalton, and um, even like Billy Mac too, like you, this is a different niche. Um, so I guess my question to you is, how did you come across that aspect of the community? Like, how did that come for you? Like, what, did you start on Instagram and then met people like that? Or was it just something in your neighborhood and then you just happened to have Instagram? Like, how did that look like for you? So the poetry community got introduced to me by a friend of mine when I was in high school. Now, like I said, I started writing poetry when I was in middle school, and I did recite for my first time at like a poetry reading that my middle school held in the library, but I didn't know about the full poetry community of like open mics and stuff like that until I was in high school. When I was in high school, a friend of mine, like my group of friends, we had one friend who was like, hey, there's this place in East Stroudsburg, it's called The Living Room. We should go there. They have open mics. People play music. People read poetry. You know, we should go there sometime. And coincidentally enough, um, Billy Mack was the one who would host those open mics at the living room at the time that I started going to them. Um, I'm not sure if he did it every time or if he was only like someone who hosted it from time to time. But I know that's how I originally met him, even though him and I didn't become like friends at that point in time. You know, that was how I got introduced to the poetry scene. That was how I got introduced that there's this whole group of people out there that do this and they love doing this. And this is such an amazing group of people. And the thing that I loved about it, which was um, so at that time when I was in high school, I was kind of a huge asshole. You know, I was really like all about myself and kind of judgmental about people. And I wasn't a really nice person at that point in time. So if somebody would go up and they would recite and say I didn't like their piece, I'd be like really smug, like huh, that was trash, that was wow. bad. Thinking I'm like thinking like I'm like this cool guy, even though like I'm clearly just a piece of shit. And, and but then wow. everybody would clap and love it and hug them and be like, that was amazing, you did awesome. And that's what started to change my personality. That's what started to make me realize like holy shit, like, and that's what started to mold me into this person that I'm slow that I slowly became to where it's like wow. There's no bad poetry. There's mm. not. Yeah. There's I only just Yeah, there's only just this perspective that people have on everything and that's the beauty behind it. Yes. That's that's it's gorgeous. And now I I can't tell you the last time I heard a poem where I was like, wow, that was trash. 
because I don't hear them anymore. I just mm. hear this person's perspective and their experience, and that warms my heart. I get goosebumps yeah. when certain people when certain people are up on stage reciting, like Florence, like um, like Michael Demand, like you know different people. I get inspired. I yeah. hear them, and I get the hair stands up on me, and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, damn, I am so mediocre. I wish I, I'm hard on myself now. I look at my poetry when I hear certain people reciting, and I'm like, damn, I'm trash, man. I need to get better at this. Woo! Mm. These guys are amazing. Like, and wow. I hear them, and I'm like, damn, their words are so powerful, and I love it. And, you know, even the young kids, there's people that are coming into the poetry scene all over the place, and they're so much younger. You know, they're, they're, and they're amazing. They, their way with words is just like so breathtaking. And I'm like, damn, I wish I could do what mm. these kids do. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, oh man. When I, as soon as I got introduced into the scene, I was like, this is going to be the rest of my life. This wow. is what I want to be a part of. Wow. Wow. That is, that is, that. I haven't said this in a long time for everyone that knows me. So yeah, that's a sexy situation right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very sexy ass situation because that's what, that's, you know what's funny? That's all I ever wanted, to be honest with you. Like, that's all I ever wanted because, yeah, I'm, again, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So New York, yeah, poetry is very popular. But I always thought, oh, you have to know someone to be a part of something like that. Or you had to sign up to some kind of club that's the way i thought it was because i would read these pieces by all these poets and i'm just like damn but how could be how could i be a part of some kind of movement of some sort so again i didn't know again like what you're saying i didn't even know that world even existed and to think i met you through florence through a live which is interesting because now my niche of the community is a whole different spectrum right because I didn't know that the virtual aspect of it even existed, right? Because I would look up hashtags. Thank God for hashtags. Whoever invented hashtags. True. Is, holy shit. <laughs> you write poetry? Preach. There's like billions. I was like, what the fuck? So I yeah. click on different profiles. I'm like, yo, some of these pieces are fucking badass. Like, oh shit. Like, you know, there's a difference between, let's say, because I don't think there's such thing as a bad poem. I look at it more like, okay, that's just not my cup of tea. But it doesn't mean poetry is bad. I just think, okay, this is not my style. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But I'm intrigued by it because I'm like, wow, but the fact that someone could be in their brain to write something like that. Like, I know one genre of poetry that I, I fascinates the shit out of me is fucking surrealism poetry. That fascinates the shit out of me because they'll say things that I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? But the words they use and how they use them is fucking fascinating like wow like are you kidding me yeah. i wish i could write like that but um but yeah but as far as the news i saw the whole virtual aspect of it you know especially 2018 2019 especially going to 2020 i think the pandemic was a very interesting time because everyone was going live everybody was doing the thing but again i didn't know all the people you mentioned florence billy mack and what well, you said mike demand was the other guy yeah like, I didn't know who any of you guys were until, again, it's so interesting how if we play our cards right, you put the right pieces to the bridge, you could meet the right people. Because, let's be honest, had I not rebranded this platform, um, back in 2020, it was under a different banner name, and had I not rebranded this and restart the podcast portion of it back in January, pretty much, 
I don't think I would be here having this conversation with you in particular because it's so true. It's such a beautiful thing. And let's be honest, right? Um, you know, nothing is not always rainbows and flowers and shuns. It's not always like that and rainbows and shit like that. But you make the best of these things. And what I love is the fact that it's because of you, right? You, Florence, Dalton, you guys, that I know now, oh, wait, there's another world outside of that. You know, because everybody I know I've met virtually. Um, and it, I think the open mic in Bayonne was a whole different thing because there's no art in Bayonne at all. So I took a chance at this at this bar. And obviously, Shorty's not my like, way. This is better than what I thought it was. So I'm like, wait a minute. We got something here. How can we bring this into the city? Right? Because then there's Damien Rushki who does... New Jersey poetry renaissance that he's on a different side of Jersey. But again, because of you and Florence and Dalton, wait a minute, now there's a connection there. Wait, now we can do something. Bring art here. Bring it everywhere. Build the bridge. It, it is beautiful. And it, you know what's funny? Even that in itself is poetic. In itself. That's such a poetic thing right there. Because like you said, what we were talking about earlier, there's so much division in the world. And I feel like poetry is the essence that can bring people together. Um, there, there's so many people who have done this, you know. Um, I always go back to Allen Ginsberg because Allen Ginsberg is a very interesting guy. Cesar Chavez, who was an activist, but also wrote poetry himself too. And it was just like trying to create difference, how to build bridges despite the bullshit we go through. And that is very, again, I'm going to say it again, that's a very sexy-ass situation because let me tell you, man, like, I, again, I didn't know that world existed. And then now I meet you guys through the Instagram platform, right? But then you guys are a part of a different world that exists. And I'm like, wait, okay, we got something here. Like, it, it's, it's, just, it's such a beautiful thing. And, yeah, um, you know, so we are towards the end here so i always ask everybody this and i want to ask you this same question too um once we're not here anymore because you know there's going to be a day we're not going to be in this life anymore and um what legacy or what impact do you hope to leave behind once we're not here like when people say darian mendez what do you want people to remember you by what's the one thing that comes to mind for that hmm Damn, I never thought about that. I think the one thing that I would want to be remembered for is I would want people to look back on my life and say that he really cared about people. Because that's all I'm trying to do at this point in time in my life now is to reach out to people and help them be heard and help them feel understood and loved. And that's what I want to be remembered for and known for is somebody who did their best to help as many people as possible. Wow. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And um, this is how I know you and I, like, we're on the same page with that. Because that's kind of how I feel, too. That's why I created what I created here. For It's not just for, it's for all of us, you know. Um, like I said, because I, I want to hear your story. I want to hear people's life because I know there's people in this world that don't know that this exists. If I could bring it to their life, to their 
Sarandi somehow, hey, let's let's what do you want to talk about? And that's yeah. the truth. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to touch on? What let let's let's just have whatever conversation exists because you know what? There's conversations that need to be had. There's stories that need to be told. And it's like I, I said at the open mic, we need to be loud because we are living in a time that everyone wants to silence everybody and I'm fucking tired of it. I was like, no, I'm gonna be fucking loud whether you like it or not. I'm probably gonna say some shit and I'm probably gonna piss someone off, but we need to be loud. Um, and I think poetry and having these conversations and, you know, introducing people with one another to have this podcast, just to have different platforms and inspire others, you know, I think this is the right step in that right direction for sure. But yeah, uh, do you have any last words before we um, end here? <laughs> um. The only thing that I think that I would like to say to anybody that listens to this is um, don't forget if you're in a bad state of mind and you're in a bad place, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. Love yourself, care about yourself, and treat people with love and respect. And Andy, thank you so much for having me on, and I really appreciate it, and I cannot wait for December 1st, brother. Amen, amen, likewise. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.